I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. We are recording this on August 2nd, coming to you on August 9th for release. Holy cow, here we are in August. School's a starting soon. Oh, thank goodness, Hallelujah. eh? Hallelujah. I know. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> and yet, every time school starts, that transition's a tough one for kiddos. Yeah. So it's always a little rocky at first. But you know what? I'm just really hoping for a, a full year of in-person school. Knock on wood. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Though the news, the news today doesn't make me feel that good about our chances. Gosh, I was talking to a couple clients this morning, and I just felt so bad for the EDs. Both of them, like, just back in that place of March twenty twenty one or twenty twenty. Like, should we? Shouldn't we? Do I now switch back to everybody working from home or not? If they're in person, do they have to wear masks all day? Like such decision fatigue all over Right? Well, and it's really interesting because I was talking to one of my best friends um, who lives in Arizona, and she had to go back to work, go back to the office three days a week starting this week. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why? Yeah, why? Why? Because you're just going to have to come back. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, there's some employers, you know, some like the Googles and the whatever, they're like, you're not coming back for five years. (laughs) But the other ones, you know, others, I think, have been waiting, right? And they're like, okay, we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Nope. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'm hosting a house party tonight. Because, you know, I don't just talk about fundraising. I do my own, too. Look at you walking the walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've shifted everything outside. Um, and I just, like, emailed all the attendees this morning, reiterating we'll be outside on the patio. I have individually packaged all of the food. Um, They're very cute. You showed me. Well, it's very you. cute. Uh, lost some skin to that process. Ooh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> just remember, listeners mandolins come with a safety cover for a reason don't discard it i think that happened to gabriel once too i'm usually so careful and i was just in a rush yesterday you know packaging up my foods trying to get them ready and got a got a couple of (laughs) band-aids to show today oh my goodness (laughs) but anyway it'll be covid safe as much as one can right now yeah I know, I know, I know we probably don't want to go down this path, but just listening to the news and hearing about how, you know, we're thankful that the Delta variant is, um, that the vaccines still work towards Mm, it, mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, it can mutate again and maybe it won't. And Lord, it just made me think about like two, three years. Like, what does this look like? Oh, I know. Exactly. And with the vaccination numbers in some places like do we ever get through this i don't know i know it's feeling a little hopeless i know yeah it's feeling like like the new normal is just not gonna be the normal yeah yeah 
and I'm I'm okay with pieces of it. Like as I was at the grocery store yesterday and um, sniffling, I was like, huh, I'm glad I'm in a mask. Nobody mm. has to see this. How lovely. But on the daily, you know, the, the restrictions can feel a bit oppressive. And um, I can see why folks are pretty upset that we're back where we are right now. I know. It's really interesting, though. I was thinking about myself a year ago, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, before school was starting, yeah. kind of in the same space of, like, what's going to happen? Is it in person? Is it not? And, well, and um, I definitely had a lot more reservations around, like, well, even if it is person and they have to wear masks, that's going to be so hard for them. And now a year later, it's like my kids are just used to it. Oh, it's, they got it. NBD. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, Mom, do I have the one that matches today's outfit? Right. Right. (laughs) That's the hardest part, is coordinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I got so out of habit of having a mask on me 24-7 that I've lost, like, half of my mask stock. Totally. I had to go buy some. Yeah. What the hell, Nia? How do you just lose these things that have been attached to you for the last year? It's like feast or famine with them. I don't understand. <laughs> it's like I've got so many that we just can't, you know, they're overflowing yeah. in the bin that we put them in or we just can't find them for the life of us. Yeah. Literally, I went to the store yesterday and all I could find were my snowflake Christmas masks mm. or ones that don't fit. And I don't even know why I still have them. Well, I'm just, well, right? But you get your favorite ones. Your favorites. <laughs> and, and then the others just kind of sit there. Um, I'm just glad that I hung on to some of my holiday masks. You might like, need them again. Yeah. Like my um, Halloween mask. And judging by the pumpkins that are for sale in front of King Supers right now, I can actually start wearing those now. It's spooky time. <laughs> It's 100 degrees. I saw this meme on Facebook, and it says, it's 100 degrees outside. Keep your pumpkin spice latte away from my margarita. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I thought that was really spot on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So as we continue to document the pandemic through this podcast. That's um, really what this podcast is going to be about. (laughs) These conversations we're having, like, can you imagine somebody coming across this two years ago and being like, wait, masks for the seasons? What the fuck are you talking about? People are going to unearth these episodes um, (laughs) like 50 years from now. And we're going to be part of the history books because they're going to say, we found this documentary (laughs) (laughs) week by week. We're going to have to get into the Library of Congress first. Yeah, totally. Next step. <laughs> I'll put that on our to-do list. <laughs> well, what are we talking about today? Today, we are diving into Giving USA. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I I love Giving USA season. Um, for all the data junkies out there, like this this is our time. It is your time. It is. I you are fully in the spotlight. Thank you. I'm 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 thrilled to be here with you, Brittany. Uh, so every year, Giving USA is released, usually June-ish, um, with the report of the philanthropy from the prior calendar year. Um, it's got just a wealth of data analyzed all different ways, 
um, broken down by sector, lots and lots and lots of good info. Um, but we talked about it a ton of times last year where we were like, wow, it feels like philanthropy's on the incline. We're hearing a lot about it. People are making changes. And we kept saying, but will the numbers reflect that? I know. And that's what's so fun is that now we get to see, were we right? Mm-hmm. Were we wrong? Mm-hmm. I think that's secretly why you like it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, boom, I did know what I'm talking about. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, when data validates my hypotheses, it's like Christmas. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> so, Brittany, have you dove into giving you a say yet? You know, I haven't. I've heard some murmurings. Okay. I've okay. heard some murmurings. What what murmurings have you heard? Anything uh, interesting? Controversial? Um, I'm pretty sure, but you have to tell me if I'm wrong, that uh, corporate giving is not up. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I like that bombshell. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't like it, but I like it. Right. Yeah, because we said it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So the big headline um, and all the... The um, ratios I'm going to give are in inflation-adjusted dollars. So it really is apples to apples as possible. Overall, all philanthropy from all sources in the U.S. rose 3.8% in 2020. Okay. And do you happen to know 3.8%? Is that a lot year to year? It's, it's a bit more than we've seen in other years. Um, most importantly, though, it's a significant increase from any kind of recessive periods we've had in our economy. So like in 0809, philanthropy went way down. We yeah. didn't see that. Um, and that, that was a lot of the concern, right? Like when the markets took a hit in March, April, there was this real panic. Oh, my God, what is this going to do to philanthropy? Well, the markets rebounded and so did philanthropy. So we did not see that decline, which is really, I think, one of the most important takeaways. But do you think we didn't see that decline because we were also in the middle of a global crisis? Say more about that. So it's that. like, well, so this is 2020 data, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, maybe in 08, 09, there would have been a decline because of the recession. Um, and even if markets were down, people were still willing to give at the same levels because of COVID, and they wanted to help out their not fellow nonprofits. So maybe they didn't give above and beyond, but they still gave at the same level. So that that could totally be true. But like the the overarching theory and the thing we've seen play out is when people don't have work, true. when the economy is struggling, philanthropy declines because there's just less right. money that people have to give. Right. And we didn't see that last year. And yeah. there there are a number of reasons for that. Um, part of it is the the markets did recover, uh, but we also saw some real increases in certain areas and certain types. Um, so again, just the context piece. So probably the most helpful pieces of data that we get from Giving USA is who was giving, like in terms of the types of philanthropy, foundations, individuals, corporate, etc., and where did the money go? So taking the nonprofits and dividing it out by subsector. So what we saw was corporate giving declined, like you said. It declined by 7.3%. That's insane. That's a ton. Now, I don't have the data yet on how um, that splits out 
by corporate sector? Because my guess is, like, the industries that were hurt the most obviously gave less. Right. Like, right. you know, I'm thinking about here in Colorado. We've got Vail Resorts. We've got yeah, some... hospitality. Yeah. All of those big travel and hospitality folks were giving yeah. significantly less because they had no business. Right. But the other really interesting thing is we saw a ton of big corporations come out with big pledges. Those pledges were not fulfilled in 2020. So they rode the wave, whether it was giving to COVID kind of programming or racial justice. They they got the big splashy headlines. Look, we're committing $20 million. And they didn't actually give that money in 2020. Wow. Yeah. Which supports what we've been saying all along, mm-hmm. too, about philanthropy washing and yep. making these big pledges for the um, – for the marketing benefit. Right. Exactly. On the individual side, giving was up 1%. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's really interesting. And then the added level to really look at is if you take out Mackenzie Scott's gifts, her $6 billion she gave in 2020, yeah, individual giving actually declined. Oh, her $6 billion goes in there? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She's an individual. Oh, yeah. Well, of course that's going to make a, an impact. So, yeah, if we take her out of the mix, individual giving declined by 0.8%. Wow. Mm-hmm. And remember, we had some additional efforts. There was that universal charitable deduction that got it into the CARES Act and, like, all of these things, trying to get individuals to give more. Didn't happen. Well, and I remember when we were talking last year this time about uh, overall giving and what we were seeing anecdotally, and we were seeing um, some major donors stepping up and giving even larger and larger amounts. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, for me, I'll be honest, there was a sense that maybe giving was up, mm-hmm. you know, that people were giving more if they could, yeah. that we knew... Um, Certain hardships that were happening weren't happening to some. Right. And the hope was that those people were stepping in and giving their share. And then some. Yeah. And unfortunately, it just didn't shake out that way. I mean, I think part of maybe your perceptions is also about where the money went to, which we'll talk about in a bit. Because Mm, there were certain areas that saw significant increases in giving. And so especially the human services folks, which is what we talk about a lot. They did see an increase in philanthropy, but that was not universally felt across nonprofits. Um, So the other side of individuals is bequests, right? Giving after life. That was up 10%. Wow. And Giving USA gives two reasons for this. Obviously, when there's a pandemic and hundreds of thousands of people are dying, I know. More bequests get to be utilized. I was going to say that, but then I thought it sounded really morbid. It's the it's the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's a big piece of it. And then there are also just kind of generational shifts um, that are happening. And so we talk about how um, planned giving for like millennials and Gen Xers is like hitting the radar, but not in the same way. And so we had a lot of folks um, in the generations that are – are aging right now and passing away using bequests at a, a more significant rate even. 
Well, it's interesting because, I mean, I know, I'll just speak personally, I solidified my will this last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the pandemic really did that for everybody. It kind of put mortality front and center and a lot of people, it encouraged a lot of people to get their affairs in order. So where some people might have waited and never got around to it or unfortunately were too late and something happened before they got a chance to... It's interesting how many people maybe passed and maybe it wasn't COVID related at all. Right. But because of COVID, they preemptively um, got their will together. Yeah. Before it happened. Absolutely. I, th- I think that's very real. Mm-hmm. Then the last big category in where philanthropy comes from, foundations. Before I give you the number... Let's just reflect on the conversations that we're having that were happening about foundation giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked a lot about foundations, what they should have been doing. So, mm-hmm. and some of them were doing so: um, unrestricting gifts, um, you know, making the application process not as um, arduous. A lot of people were opening up new funding streams for COVID relief. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and there's that big call to increase payouts, right? Right. Spend down right. that endowment. Your community needs help now. Right. It is like this is the monsoon rainy day. Mm-hmm. Do it now. So did it happen? Did they have this huge influx of giving? Foundation giving increased 15.6%. What? Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yay. Cue yeah. clapping sound. That's amazing. We did it, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, as with everything, there are caveats to that. Um, We also saw foundations being the hub for COVID relief funds. Yeah. And so they also raised a lot more money than they have in the past. That truth. That went out. Um, And there were all these calls on foundations to increase their giving, um, which some really, really took to heart. And now we're seeing them start to reverse in 2021. No. Yeah. Of course, we don't have the date on that yet. We'll wait for 2021's <laughs> Giving Tune USA. <in> next year. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we know that uh, we want to celebrate the foundations that stepped up and did it and made major changes. And we want to continue to hold them accountable to maintain those. That was yep. not a one-year shift that we needed to see as a sector. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, so that that's where philanthropy shifted. Um, I'll, of course, throw out some really great graphs and data on our socials, so make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe, um, because there's a lot more we could dive into, and we just don't have the time in one episode to like really pinch apart all of these data points. Um, and I also recommend if your organization has the budget, buy Giving USA. Because you can really dive into your area of focus to find out what it means. For you fundraisers out there, this is um, the information that you want to print out and have handy when your board members come to you and say, um, we just need to get XYZ company 
to give oh, us money. Gag. You know, whatever major company is in your area, um, if we could just get them to give us money, then we would be great. Right. <laughs> and you'd go, actually, if you could look at this graph right here, corporate giving last year in 2020 only accounted for, so what is that number? It used to be 5%. Oh, give me a sec. I'll pull that graph. Corporate giving, 4% of all <gasps> philanthropy was corporate in the U.S. Oh, my God. I love when it gets smaller. <laughs> <laughs> so vindicated. It proves our point. Yes. Don't do what Nia did and mail. What did you do? You mailed like a thousand letters to Main Street. And <laughs> I love the hyperbole. By the end of this, it's going to be that I ran 20 million letters to all of Colorado. <laughs> yep. Spent days walking up and down. Uh, yeah, exactly. All of that. Don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do that. Mm, waste of money. All right. You want to know who got the money now? Let's find out. Okay. So in Giving USA, they, they break it down into these specific categories. Religion, education, mm. human services, foundations, mm -hmm. public society benefit, health, international affair, arts, culture, and humanities, and environment and animals. So nine different categories. I know who didn't get it. Who didn't get it? I think, unfortunately, maybe the arts didn't get it. That is a great guess. You are absolutely mm. right. Um, again, inflation-adjusted dollars, arts, culture, and humanity philanthropy declined 8.6% in 2020. Yikes. That is a hard hit. Yes. Especially because the prior year had actually been pretty good to them. Um, from 2018 to 2019, philanthropy to the arts increased over 9%. So they've got a big old swing there in terms of what folks were probably budgeting for and planning right. on into 2020. I hope they're able to bounce back. Yeah, same. Who, which category do you think saw the largest increase in giving? Well, the, well, the ones that really stood out to me were human services um, I'm curious of education, but is education, is that usually just higher ed? It's all education. Okay. Um, just with the uh, focus of schools and teachers and stuff, I'm curious if money went there. Uh, foundations and health. You think those are the four top ones? That's, that's my guess. Okay. And again, this is going to be in order of the increase in giving. So right. Just who saw the biggest change. The top increase... Was public society benefit. I don't even know what that is. Well, Brittany, if I were to tell you that that's where DAFs fall, would the data Shut make more sense up. to you? Shut up. Are you serious? Oh, I'm so serious. Why is it under public society benefit? So that's like a catch-all term for a bunch of different things. It's donor-advised funds. It's United Way. It's think tanks. It's also civil rights organizations. So it's kind of this like broad okay. community support kind of approach. Like we're not a foundation, but we do these larger community activities. So yeah, I mean, hopefully some of it was also like civil rights related. But yep. We know from the various data sources that DAFs got a ton more funding. 
And my guess is they are part of that huge increase. Wow. From 2018 to 2020, public society benefit increased 21%. It is on the rise. Fuck DAFs. Are we actually benefiting from it, though? (laughs) That's the question. That is the question. Someone's benefiting, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's the public. No, not so much. Okay, so we got public society benefit at 14.3% increase. Immediately below that, environment and animals, 10.3. What? Really? Mm Mm-hmm. What? That's where all the climate change work would fall. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't deserve to be funded. I'm just surprised that that's where people's focus was. Mm -hmm. Fully agree. Huh. Number three, human services, 8.4% increase. Okay. As it should. Number four, international affairs, 7.8%. And give me a couple examples, if you can, of international affairs. It's... I think about any NGO that has any kind of U.S. presence, but they're doing work internationally. Like World Vision? <laughs> yeah, like fucking World Vision. Yeah, they would count. And their $1 billion campaign or whatever they have going on? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's also um, organizations that were helping with COVID response. Um, right. Doctors Without Borders, you know, th- those kinds of things. Uh, I I found that piece to be pretty interesting, though, because international affairs has actually been on the decline in terms of U.S.-based philanthropy. So for them to hit the top four during COVID is a little wild. Of growth. Right. Okay. So these are of growth, which makes sense. But what now, what are the top four overall? Well, I want to just finish on the the growth piece because you also hit on some really important things. Health giving? declined four percent what we're in a global pandemic yeah yeah is that where dolly parton's covid money well so that's a really interesting thing so i i was kind of trying to parse out these pieces of data so educational giving rose 7.7 percent and gifts to educational institutions that do health research their philanthropy falls in education Uh. So, so like when she gave to Vanderbilt? Exactly. That would be in the education dollars. Okay. So it's not all bad, but what it makes me think of is all of our like local health-based organizations, the ones doing very much the frontline work for communities that are disproportionately impacted by this pandemic, probably saw declines in giving. Ugh. Yeah, that part. That's so sad. Super sucks. Okay, so you wanted overall pie chart. Yeah. So religious giving also declined slightly. Oh, yeah. I was curious about that. They continue to be the largest piece of the pie. 28% of overall philanthropy in the U.S. goes to religious institutions. And I'm just, I'm like shoving down things (laughs) that are bubbling up for me right now. (laughs) So, so many things I could be saying. um, But, Mm -hmm. yeah. The fact that is still the largest piece, twenty eight percent. The fact that one hundred thirty one billion dollars in the United States goes to institutions with absolutely no transparency to the community at large, I think is a bit concerning. Yeah, we'll leave it there. 
man, they were genius when they when they um, rolled out tithing. Oh my god! Right? Genius. It's so funny you say that. I was talking to my dad about that this weekend and how, like, as a child, we'd get our allowance and ten percent had to go to tithing. Yeah. What the fuck? I mean, I I love the idea um, as like a general philosophy of mm-hmm. giving, but you know they they got that tithing on lock, right? And the national average of giving is like two point eight percent of income. Nobody's hitting that ten percent. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Something to aspire to. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so after religion, with over a quarter of all philanthropy. Our next biggest chunk is education, 15% of all philanthropy. Um, and, and those two remain one and two, and they have for years and years and years. The next big chunk is human services, 14% of all philanthropy. Okay. Then with 12%, gifts to grant-making foundations. And that is not DAFs. That's not DAFs. Gifts to grant-making foundations. So what would that be? It's like giving to your, it's not giving to your community foundation? No, it is. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why they don't have that in the chart of like increases, I don't really understand, but whatever. Next chunk, 10%, public society benefit. There's your DAFs. That's the DAF game right there. Then, and this is all single digit numbers. Uh, then we have health, international affairs, arts, environment and individuals hmm yeah that's so fascinating so overall the whole total Mm -hmm. how much is it like how much philanthropy happened in 2020 yes 471 billion dollars wow and that compares to how much the year before well thank goodness i've got that report in front of me Brittany. (laughs) give me one sec (laughs) Put you on the spot. Yeah, I know, but I've got it. $449.6 billion. So it went up 30-some billion. Yeah, about that. Wow. But then when you really break it down and see where it went up and where it um, was targeted, mm-hmm. it, that's, that's the real story. Exactly. That's the real story. You know, as we were talking through how philanthropy was – taking place and taking shape. Um, we were hearing about this, right? We were hearing from our arts organizations that they were struggling. Yeah. And yeah. and these are philanthropic dollars, right? This isn't service-related fees. This isn't government grants. This is outright philanthropy. And so our arts organizations were saying they're struggling. Well, now we have the data to say, holy fuck, yeah, you were. Yeah. And on the other side, we had our human services organizations that were stepping up in so many significant ways and we heard that there was philanthropy happening, and it was. Was it at a scale that allowed them to meet the need? That I don't have data to support. And I right. think it's actually very different from community to community. You know, when I think about funding from 2020 and just even at my own uh, agency that I worked at, it makes me think about um, – you know, even if philanthropy was up in some areas, even if we were able to secure extra foundation dollars through COVID relief funds or um, or if we did have, you know, some bigger donors step up and, and really give in a 
huge way, we still were so reliant on um, access to PPP funds. Oh, absolutely. So, like, where does that kind of funding, that's not represented in this chart, is it? No, because this is all outright philanthropy. So PPP, um, well, initially is a loan, but then it's a government grant. So any kind of government grant or contract isn't considered philanthropy, so it's not part of this report. Yeah. So, yeah, this isn't necessarily a look at how overall revenue happened. Like, my guess is actually arts and culture would see an even greater decline if we were looking at overall revenue because they had no ticket sales. Right. Or very little because they went online with their their shows. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So what would be, I guess, their program fees would be very very stunted yeah yeah well i think this also kind of shows the different types of fundraising and how it impacted things so we saw you know health giving that declined three percent well one of the most common ways of health fundraising is walks and runs and those events those didn't take place you know some of them went virtual some of them got canceled entirely and so i think it's also just kind of a reflection of um organizations that were able to pivot or maybe had more diverse fundraising strategies in place were able to then capitalize on where philanthropy was heading. It's going to be really interesting to see how, what this looks like a year from now. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's really going to change much in 2021? I don't know. I know. It's so hard to predict right now. We should do an episode of predictions. Oh, fuck. (laughs) I need some time to consult my crystal ball first. (laughs) Well, it's interesting, too. I feel like two weeks ago, I would have been like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be so different. But today, on August 2nd, in the midst of the Delta increase, and I've I've got three emails from clients this morning saying, we're thinking about going fully virtual or should we go fully virtual or should we cancel altogether? Like everything feels like it's shifted back. And so I really don't know what fundraising is going to look like this fall. No. And I mean, again, I'm going to put a plug in because this is where I'm at currently (laughs) at my agency to all the leadership and board members out there. Like we don't know what this year is going to look like. So even when you're just doing your own organizational budgeting, (laughs) it's a crapshoot. It's an yeah. absolute crapshoot. Stop asking us to reforecast. We don't fucking know. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so stressful. I get it. It's so stressful. Yeah. Well, to the organizations who saw um, real gains in philanthropy last year, again, we're going to say congrats. Hopefully you're doing all of those things to retain those folks, keep them engaged, let them know that the need is still very real and they need to keep giving. Um, You know, what was it? End of June, they said that our economy had officially fully recovered. So theoretically, the dollars are out there. People should be giving. Let's see if we can actually hit those individual giving numbers and have them increase without just billionaires supporting it. Yeah, and conversely, for those organizations out there who took a huge hit in 2020, who lost um, essential funding for their programs, we see you. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, um, 
it's important to look at these numbers and overall, oh, giving increase by $30 billion sounds like this win-win for everybody. And yet we know that that is simply not the case. Right. And so um, we really hope that this year trends back your way and that people notice um, the impact of those organizations not being funded and start to, you know, really move some of their giving um, back into arts and humanities. I love that. Since uh, we're ending on a bit of a net downer, maybe <laughs> um, I should throw in Monday Jokes with Nia now because I forgot it earlier. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Thank you for telling me that you're going to do it. I know. I decided that the sneak attack wasn't working because you just kept missing it. I know. I know. All right. I'm, I'm ready. I'm poised. No, I'm, I'm laughing poised. at the stupid joke before I can even say it. Okay. Um, why do omelets only have one egg in France? Oh, I feel like it has something to do with we or oof or what? You were so close. Because one egg is enough. Ah, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Ah, that's great. I love it. So if you're out there feeling sad about philanthropy, just look up some dad jokes and uh, you'll get through the day. (laughs) It's like Vu with his uh, pictures of animals, like baby animals (laughs) that he always uses. Here's a kitten. Let me tell you some really bad news. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we want to hear from you. Were you surprised by these results? Um... I know I was in some areas. So let us know. What were you surprised about? What were you not surprised about? What are your predictions for this next year? We want to hear from you. Email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe. And if this episode taught us anything, it's that we need to keep giving. So please support your local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, folks. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.